keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. The Feast of the Divine Maternity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This feast was instituted by Pope Pius XI to commemorate the 1500th anniversary of the Council of Ephesus and the Third Ecumenical Council of the Church. I think that is a pretty awesome thing. First of all, to even say that we've had a 1500th anniversary of anything, right? But this Council of Ephesus was created in order to emphasize and to declare the doctrine of the divine motherhood of Mary. This was, of course, in defense of the true doctrine of the church against the heresies of Nestorius and his followers. Now, Nestorius and his followers, their heresy was in regards to the personhood of Jesus Christ. And so they say that our Lord was not the son of Mary, but instead the son of God alone. So the question then is, Who did Our Lady give birth to? And of course, we must say that she gave birth to the God-man because our Lord was God and man from the moment of conception. This is a very important thing to keep in mind. Now, unfortunately, many modernists and progressivists today will then say, well, of course we affirm the doctrine of Mary as mother of God because it talks about who our Lord is. But this is not only the point. See, Our Lady is the mother of God, a unique and extraordinary grace. She is the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by this, she becomes the mediatrix of all graces. She becomes the co-redemptrix with our Lord. All of the other graces of Our Lady stem from this most foundational root, which is Our Lady as mother of God. To try to become a Mary minimalist and say, oh, we're just going to affirm the absolute bare minimum requirements of the faith in regards to the Blessed Virgin is a grave, grave error. For Our Lady is venerated under various titles and aspects reflecting the multifaceted glories of Mary, but the Mother of God is crucial, ignoring her other qualities and virtues simplifies her importance, which is a grave disrespect to our Lord and the grace that he has wrought in his mother. And as the mother of God, Mary is also the mother of all humanity. Devotion to Our Lady involves recognizing her maternal role in our lives, which can manifest in countless ways. This is most evident in our Lord turning to the beloved disciple, which we can imagine it being ourselves, saying, Behold your mother. She exercises a maternal mercy towards humanity. She forgives and protects even in the face of unpardonable faults, opening a door of mercy that no one can close. Those fighting for the defense of the church and the reign of Mary receive an unlimited credit of mercy from Our Lady. Their relationship with her is likened to an open door that no one can shut, as stated in the book of the Apocalypse. So what do we pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary on this feast of her divine maternity? Let's pray that she show herself a mother to us. 
and that she give us the grace to always fly to her in our temptations and our needs and our sadness and our sorrows and our depressions and any of our needs that we fly to her in all of it and that she give us a strength to fight in defense of the Holy Mother Church and for the reign of Mary. Most Holy Theotokos, pray Amen. for us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Adrian. Uh, it's good to be here. Had a wonderful light night last night. Uh, oh, yeah? You were yeah. out last night? Yeah, we were out together. We were uh, what? celebrating. We were uh, enjoying we the company of all these wonderful, wonderful people who make the Guadalupe Radio Network happen. Uh, make the airwaves, uh, you know, flow through the air. Uh, all these wonderful donors here in Houston at the Fishers of Men dinner. It was fantastic. It really was. It was a good time. I very much enjoyed it. Bishop Lopes gave an excellent talk as well, and and the uh, overall, I just really enjoyed the conversation. That's always my favorite part. I'm mm. always like they hear the the dinging for the for dinner, and I'm like, oh, that conversation's over. Got to go sit down yeah. at the table. <laughs> Uh, but it, I, I very much enjoyed it. It was a good time. It was yeah, nice to meet everybody. For sure. Uh, familiar faces and new faces, that's always a good thing. I think I think we, I, I heard that 40% of the people there were brand new and never been to a GRN gala before. Hmm. So I, I was like, that was pretty awesome. So praise be to God. Um, in fact, we have a special guest coming on the show today oh. to talk about the GRN. Really? Yeah. So, huh. Um, teaser. wonder who could it be? Who could it be? I have no idea. We'll have to stay tuned to find out. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about Diane Montagna asked the Synod Fathers, what spirit are they listening to? Their answer was very, very telling. We'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. Plus, a really concerning story about a woman who was given the wrong prescription at CVS. What happened to her will blow your mind. At 30 past the hour, Joseph Shaw joins us to discuss Westminster. West, I can never say this word. Westminster. There we go. Westminster. Westminster. Westminster it's, it's English. I don't know. I barely know English. Cathedral ends 50 years of masses for the Latin Mass Society. We're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour. Joseph Shaw is going to be joining us. In the next hour, we have a special guest coming on to the show. We're going to be talking about the GRN and Fishers of Mingalas and all sorts of things like that. And as always, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show with prizes involved. So make sure you're tuned in. We love to give that prize away. So make sure you're ready to call in because we would love to have you as our first caller. So make sure you're prepared. You can always go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. There you can find our cell phone, or not our cell phone number, our call-in number, and you can get that on your speed dial so you can always be the first caller, and you can also join our email list there as well. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying to Our Lady of the Rosary, because October is dedicated to Our Lady of the Rosary, and so we're going to pray this prayer to get you prepared for praying the rosary today. We're praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for, we pray in a special way in thanksgiving for a successful Fishers of Men Gala and for all the other Fishers of Men Galas that are happening around the GRN. We're praying for that intention as well. And I pray for Israel and Palestine that they may be united by conversion to the one true faith, all under Christ the King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. 
O Virgin Mary, grant that the recitation of thy rosary may be for me each day in the midst of my manifold duties, a bond of unity in my actions, a tribute of filial piety, a sweet refreshment, an encouragement to walk joyfully along the path of duty. Grant above all, O Virgin Mary, that the study of thy 15 mysteries may form in my soul little by little a luminous atmosphere, pure, strengthening, and fragrant, which may penetrate my understanding, my will, my heart, my memory, my imagination, my whole being. So shall I acquire the habit of praying while I work without the aid of formal prayers, by interior acts of admiration and of supplication, or by aspirations of love. I ask this of thee, O Queen of the Holy Rosary, through St. Dominic, thy son of predilection, the renowned preacher of thy mysteries, and the faithful imitator of thy virtues. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, where it's our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Here are some of your breaking news and stories today. Now, if you have taken one of those DNA tests to uh, see where you're from, you may want to pay attention to this story. Hackers advertise sale of 23andMe data on leaked data forum. 23andMe says, quote, We don't have any indication at this time that there was a data security incident within our systems, unquote, their statement said. However, the statement continued to say that a hacker may have collected passwords stolen from other sites and reused them in a bid to hijack 23andMe accounts. The technique, known as credential stuffing, is one reason why cybersecurity experts recommend against using the same password for different sites. And Utah sues TikTok, alleging it lures children into addictive, destructive social media habits. Amen. Utah became the latest state on Tuesday to file a lawsuit against TikTok, alleging that the company is baiting children into addictive and unhealthy social media habits, among many other companies. TikTok lures children into hours of social media use, misrepresents the app's safety, and deceptively portrays itself as independent of its Chinese parent company, ByteDance, Utah claimed in this lawsuit. Arkansas and Indiana have filed similar lawsuits, while the U.S. Supreme Court prepares to decide whether state attempts to regulate social media platforms violate the Constitution. And finally, the world's first flu-resistant chickens could pave way for gene-edited poultry in the U.K. Researchers have developed gene-edited chickens that show partial resistance to bird flu with the potential to achieve complete immunity in the future. The current outbreak of bird flu has caused significant damage to seabird populations and the poultry industry, costing over $123 million worth of losses. Scientists claim that gene-edited chickens hold promise for creating disease-resistant animals and could be a crucial step in preventing widespread infections and potentially protecting humans from zoonotic diseases. Now, those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The gospel today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And here is our Lord giving the Our Father. However, it's a little bit different in the gospel of Luke. Now, many people who have not gone through the gospels themselves will be kind of shocked when they read this. For here, it's uh, verses 1 through 4. It says, And it came to pass that as he was in a certain place praying, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, This, of course, will be very familiar to most people. They will hear the Lord teach us to pray and like, oh, okay, this is our father. But this is what is said in the Gospel of Luke. And he said to him, 
When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. So that's a very different Our Father than what we're used to hearing, because the one that we normally say comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, why is this the correct case? So, we may observe, says Cornelius Lapide, that St. Matthew makes his prayer consist of seven petitions, but St. Luke of five. The latter evangelist unites two of the petitions because they are contained in the others. Hence, because St. Luke omits the last petition, deliver us from evil, the Pelagians, who are heretics, argue that although we might pray against being led into temptation, we ought not to pray for deliverance from evil. Now, this is why we have to be careful and try to make sure that we see the Gospels as a whole and not try to take the individual Gospels in its own, on its own and see it in the uniting of Scripture together. Cornelius Lapide says, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. St. Matthew adds his prayer to the Sermon on the Mount, while St. Luke places it at a later period. Either, therefore, Christ taught his disciples his prayer on two separate occasions, or St. Matthew added it to the Sermon on the Mount in order to make the sermon a complete summary of evangelical doctrine. So you kind of see here that the placement of these, of what's happening in the Gospels, it may not always be in sequential order. They kind of put them through to try to create the crafted narrative. Because kind of like if you might imagine if you're trying to tell a story and the story happens multiple times. Let's say you did something multiple times throughout your life or you tell the same story multiple times throughout your life. And you're recounting the telling of the story. You may combine different elements of that story into one cohesive statement to try to be concise and try to get the entire point across instead of retelling the story seven or eight times, including every little detail that you left out of this time or added that time. So instead, you get a synthesis of those stories and present it as one story. That's what the gospel writers are doing. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John emphasize different aspects of it. And this is why you see these stories being related multiple times throughout the Gospels, but in a slightly different way. Now, much could be said about the Our Father and what the Our Father means. In fact, I highly recommend reading St. Thomas Aquinas' commentary on the Our Father. But what is one thing that we can take away from the Our Father? One thing to think about when we think about the Our Father is the fact that we are the only ones who can refer to ourselves as sons of the Father. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay, or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. 
And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful. Or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there was the story that came out, and we kind of missed it. There was just so many things happening, rapid fire, that there was a lot of stories that just went by the wayside that just didn't get covered. This story came out on Friday at about 10 a.m., and so it was, we didn't talk about it on Friday. And then obviously Monday was kind of a lot going on on Monday. And so we're, we're playing catch up. We honestly need a day where we can just play catch up on all the news because there is a ton of things that just, whew, absolute craziness. But let's start here. October 6, 2023, Diane Montagna had the opportunity to talk with Paolo Ruffini, who is one of, one of the people speaking on the Synod press briefing. So here... He is the also he's the prefect of the Vatican's Secretariat for Communications. So Diane Montagna says, quote, a fundamental question about the Synod. Repeatedly, Synod officials, including yourself, have talked about the Holy Spirit as the protagonist of the Synod. Over and over again, we hear about the Holy Spirit. Traditionally, well, not just traditionally, the Catholic Church discerns the presence of the Holy Spirit by determining if something is in accord with divine revelation. The unanimous consensus of the fathers and apostolic tradition. How is this assembly discerning whether something comes from the Holy Spirit or from another spirit? Now, Diane Montana's question here is very, very good. I'm very happy she asked this because I have the same question. I've been asking the same thing many times. Don't even they don't even say the Holy Spirit. They just say the Spirit, and I'm always like, okay, what spirit are we talking about here? And how do you know what you're saying or doing comes from the Holy Spirit? If somebody does something and they say, I'm doing it in the name of the Holy Spirit, should I just believe them because they claim it to be so? I mean, we've seen a lot of abuses in the church done under the guise of spirituality. I'm thinking of Rupnik specifically. Now, this response is very interesting because Diane Montana basically gave him the answer. He said, traditionally, we discern the Holy Spirit by looking at what is in accord with divine revelation. So that's most principally Holy Scripture. The unanimous consensus of the fathers. So what did the church fathers say? Were they all in agreement about? And apostolic tradition. What has always and everywhere been taught consistently throughout the history of the church? Those are three means of discerning whether or not something someone said is in accordance with the Holy Spirit. I mean, unless the skies open up and a dove descends down and it opens up the skies and it tells us otherwise, that's typically how we discern these things. And if those kind of things happen, if they're going to have an extraordinary means of revelation from the Holy Spirit, 
well, then it would have to be confirmed by miracles, as we see with Our Lady of Fatima. Now, Paul Ruffini, what did he, what was his response? He says, quote, I can respond by citing the creed, which you know, I believe in the Holy Spirit. For the rest, it is the people of God on a journey that is meeting to pray and converse together. In history, as in prior history, moments happen when the people of God gather, pray, God with them, and the Holy Spirit acts. Wow, that was literally nothing. That literally means nothing. They, they, he says, I can cite the creed to you. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So, because you believe in the Holy Spirit, therefore, we know that everything that comes out of the Synod is from the Holy Spirit? That, is that what you're saying? Because that's what it sounds like you're saying. That doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. Because the demons believe in the Holy Spirit, right? And the demons can recite the creed and believe every single word of it, right? It's not sufficient that you just believe in the creed. Believing the creed just means you believe in true things. It doesn't mean you're acting in accordance with those true things. It doesn't mean that everything you do in its accordance with your beliefs. So it's not sufficient. And to say the people of God on a journey and that the people of God gather, pray, and the Holy Spirit acts. So does that mean if I gather? So my friends, we get together and we chat about these kind of things all the time. We get together after mass and we go get lunch. I don't know. Maybe you have a similar experience. You get together with your friends who are faithful Catholics and y'all talk about these things. So if y'all come up with something that is contrary to what the Synod Fathers come up with, does that mean the Holy Spirit is contradicting himself because we are the people of God gathering and praying and the Holy Spirit acts, right? That makes no sense. It's not how this works. So Diane Montagna has a follow-up. She says, but how do we know that this is the Holy Spirit? Now, Christine Murray, the vice director of the Holy See press office interrupts and says, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ruffini. Are there any other questions? No. Then tomorrow there's another meeting here. And they shuts down the conversation. Very, very interesting to see how that works. Hmm. Very, very interesting to see how this plays out. This is, of course, as I would say, very concerning to see that people are just saying things. And we don't have any clear understanding of where we are going. And you can never really know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, on to this story that I think is really tragic. A pregnant woman is given an abortion pill. A Nevada CVS pharmacy has been fined $10,000 for dispensing the abortion drug mesopristol instead of prescribed fertility medication to a woman undergoing in vitro fertilization. Now, obviously, you have to say in vitro fertilization, bad. We shouldn't do it. But the people who are conceived in in vitro fertilization are human persons. And so if you are conceived in in vitro fertilization, your life is still valuable. You're still a human being. The means of being fertilized, the means of being created, of course, was evil. Kind of like a child who was born out of rape. The means of the conception of the child was evil. But the child itself is a child of God, is a human person. So the patient... Tamika Thomas had just had two human embryos. I don't know why two human I guess, embryos. Okay. Impl implanted when she received the wrong prescription. 
Thomas, 34 at the time, had her doctor prescribe endometrin containing prestigent progesterone to aid the procedure. Instead, CVS dispensed cytotic, also known as mesopristol, a drug used for chemical abortions. Thomas unknowingly took the pills thinking that they were per prescribed medication, leading to severe complications. The errors occurred due to multiple mistakes committed by two pharmacists and two technicians at CVS. There were data entry errors, doses mis- miscalculations, and an overridden system warning that contributed to the dispensing of the incorrect medication. Although Thomas sought advice on abortion pill reversal, it was too late to prevent potential harm to the embryos. And while it is unclear whether the embryo survived, Thomas's subsequent pregnancy test yielded negative results. So the question they're asking is, did this cause an abortion or did the IVF just not take? Because there are many times where they implant a, they'll implant embryos into a woman trying to do IVF and they, they just will fail. So they're trying to figure out was this was a pregnancy test yielding negative result because of the mistake that was made or because IVF just doesn't work. Either way, there are at least at the very minimum, we're going to say three lessons here. One, IVF is bad. Don't do it, especially considering the likelihood of you killing one of your children is very, very high because you have to you have to create all these embryos and even in these quote-unquote moral ivfs you create just the amount that you're willing to take to carry to term but the chances of implementation failing is actually incredibly high which means that those babies are just going to die it's like it's like getting pregnant knowing that there is a very very high likelihood that you are going to have a miscarriage every single time that's just it's not moral to try to do that and it's artificial means now, the other thing to note is you should not just trust your doctor and pharmacist. You should check what your doctors are doing. You should check the drugs your pharmacist gives you and make sure everything is up to snuff because you cannot just trust people. People make mistakes and people are also evil. In this case, it seems like the people have just made mistakes, but nonetheless. And thirdly, and we'll just leave it with these three lessons, If these drugs were illegal, it would have been nearly impossible for them to accidentally kill a baby. Let me say that again. If these drugs, these abortion drugs, were not legal, it would have been nearly impossible for the pharmacist to make a mistake that ends in the killing of a human being. But because these drugs are illegal, they can accidentally drop murder drugs into your prescription instead of other drugs. Very, very interesting that this is even a possibility in our country today. Very bad. Lastly, we'll move on from this story. And I want to just touch on this story, and maybe we'll be able to circle back on this story. Uh, Pope Francis was gifted an idol on the day after the anniversary of the Pachamama incident in a cease in in at the amazonian senate cindy mccain the executive director of united nations world food program and the widow of late u.s senator john mccain stirred controversy by presenting what seemed to be a pagan idol to pope francis in a private vatican audience 
the object believed to be the ogre woman known as so- Soyoka Mana is depicted carrying a knife, crook, and a basket on her back, symbolizing her pursuit of children as prey. The figure is distinctive due to her butterfly whorl hairstyle, indicating her unmarried status. It was described as a Kachina doll, an evil spirit figure revered by Native American Hopi people. The Lepanto Institute supported the identity of the object as Soyoka Mana. In the video released by the Vatican, McCain handed the idol to the Pope, labeling it as, quote, a warrior. This event occurred on the anniversary of the Pachamama incident. And we'll sit in that there, reading that there. Very interesting. You know, people are saying, okay, how did you, what did you want Pope Francis to do? I mean, someone gives you a gift. How do you respond? I don't know. How would you respond? How would you respond if somebody handed you a, like if someone handed you a demonic idol and they handed it to you, what, what would you do? I, I'm just curious. I, I probably would, uh, at the very least, not accept it and be like, um, no, thank you. If I was trying to be really nice. You know, actually, do you remember a couple years back, somebody tried to give uh, the Pope a crucifix that had a hammer and sickle on it yeah. with our Lord on it? And he clearly was like, I'm not comfortable accepting this one. You remember I that? No, 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 no. You don't remember that? I do remember him receiving it. I don't remember him saying he was uncomfortable with it. because You actually, could tell he was uncomfortable. He, he released like, a statement mm, later saying that okay. he liked it. What? Yeah. Oh, man. So <laughs> I don't remember him being uncomfortable about it. There was a photo of him where he had a funny face, but that's the problem with photos, right? You can just catch someone at a one moment because you have another photo of him smiling with it afterwards. So it's not really. Yeah, that's the problem with photos, right? You can always like people have the photo of Pope Francis scowling and they're like, well, you know, he probably had sun in his eyes or something. Um, so people always try to look at those photos are out of context. That's why videos are better, typically speaking. When we come back, Joseph Shaw is joining us. We'll be right back with more right after this. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Daddy, Christmas, Scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. (laughs) They love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. The U.N. warns Israel 
retaliatory siege of Gaza is prohibited under international law. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights admonished any prospective retaliatory move by Israel against the Islamic attackers. He cautioned, saying, The imposition of sieges that endanger the lives of citizens by depriving them of goods essential to their survival is prohibited under the international humanitarian law. Any restrictions on the movement of people and goods to implement a siege must be justified by military necessity or may otherwise amount to collective punishment. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant has approved a complete siege of the Gaza Strip following Hamas's massive terror attack on Israel, which has caused over 900 people and wounded, uh, which has killed over 900 people, excuse me, and wounded 2,500 more, according to reports. And Sky News is reporting some ultra-processed foods should be labeled addictive, scientists say. Estimates suggest one in seven adults and one in eight children could be hooked on ultra-processed foods. Scientists say that the way that people consume foods that are high in fat and carbohydrates could meet the criteria for a diagnosis of substance use disorder. Ultra-processed foods can have the same effect as drugs with people experiencing intense cravings, uh, symptoms of withdrawal, and continued consumption despite dangerous consequences, the researchers have said. They suggest labeling ultra-processed foods as addictive may help modify some of this behavior. Uh, imagine that. You're going through the, uh, the grocery store and you're seeing uh, warnings like they put on cigarette cases for, uh, for these foods. That would be interesting. And finally, Pregnancy Center sues under the FACE Act. Compass Care, a pregnancy center in New York, has filed a FACE Act lawsuit against two pro-choice activists from Buffalo. According to the Washington Times, Compass Care CEO James Harden was frustrated with the lack of federal response to pro-abortion vandalism against his organization, including firebombing that forced the center to close for nearly three months and did $550,000 in damage. Now, those are all your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Uh, thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. And I wanted to follow up on, before we jump into this conversation, on the last thing we brought up about the communist crucifix. So I pulled up the report from back whenever this happened. And so the story goes, the Francis was given the communist crucifix, so it's a hammer and sickle with our Lord on it, the corpus on it. And apparently, our saint, uh, saint Pope Francis says, that is not right. And he says, but then he has explained the history behind the crucifix. And he says, I didn't know that. And abusement of the origin of the present. And then later he was asked about it. And he says, I understand this work. For me, it wasn't an offense. So that's the story uh, in regards to the, the communist crucifix. So there you go. <laughs> Just wanted to follow up. So make sure we got uh, all the facts well, straight. I guess I can't really defend this action. But you know what? I, I sort of blame the administrators at the Vatican a little bit more because they have, let, to yeah, they, they have to who know. Who would let him give him that idol? Yeah, they're, if I was there, I'd be like, listen, I, I know you mean well. Maybe. I don't know. But this is completely inappropriate. I don't think we can give this to the Pope. You have to return this. If you want, maybe there's a gift shop down the street. Uh, I don't know. You can pick something up there and bring it over. It's, it's customary for you to give gifts. I understand. That's yeah, fine if you don't, though. 
it's in this instance. Pretty weird. Uh, you would think they would have stopped him. Like, <laughs> like what? What gift would they not let him them give him? So, what does this little knife uh, symbolize? Does it symbolize uh, cutting off the heads of Franciscans? Oh, yeah. oh well, uh, well, actually, oh maybe not. Maybe we shouldn't give this one. Yeah, someone needs to go interview Mrs. McCain and ask about what her thought process through all this whole thing is. I'm very curious. But anyway, let's, let's transition away from that and talk a little bit about something slightly different. Uh, joining us right now is Mr. Joseph Shaw. He is the chairman of the Latin Mass Society of England and Wales. Good morning to you, Mr. Shaw. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. You know, there is a very interesting article that you just put out from Crisis Magazine. And I always, I'm, you know, English is my first language. I struggle with it. it, it Westminster Cathedral ends 50 years of masses for the Latin Mass Society. For some reason, I struggle to say Westminster. I don't know why. I want, I, I want to say minister, I guess is what I want to say. But anyway, so what is happening at Westminster Cathedral? Why is this significant? We were given this mass, uh, one or two masses a year, by Cardinal John Heenan back in 1971. So Cardinal Heenan, as the, the the window for celebrating the traditional mass was about to close at the end of 1971, alongside the, the new reform mass, um, he got permission, personally got permission from Pope Paul VI to uh, be able to permit these masses to continue. Uh, so, and this is what he did. He, he established one in the, in the crypt once a month, low mass and sung masses, two sung masses a year. So this has been going on for 50 years. And it's a real symbol, not only of the continuing validity of traditional mass, but also of the attitude of the successive cardinal archbishops. Um, so the current one has said, actually, no, you can't have it because, well, you know, you're not really part of the parish and, it's it's uh, we'd have to get special permission because the cathedral's a parish church and and all that. So um, that's a bit of a kick in the solar plexus, really, uh, for us. And as a as an indication of of the attitude of our superiors, the hierarchy, to our aspirations to have the traditional mass. Now, does that mean that this the church here this will be the the first time that a Latin mass has been banned there? So there that means there is continuous Latin masses being said at this cathedral for since the creation of the church is that right well the the monthly no masses are going to continue oh okay. so that's 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 good news uh but this particular one this particular series um this is going to stop uh so it didn't happen in the uh, in the covid year <laughs> apart from that it, it's been continuous um so yeah I'm not, that's it's 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 very sad. It's very sad. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't stop us going to mm. the traditional mass. There are other masses happening in different places. As I say, the monthly mass in the cathedral, there are, you know, but it is becoming harder for us as a lay organization, Latin Mass Society, to organize masses, which is a bit odd because that's why we were founded. Mm. We were founded in order to ask bishops permission and to get use these permissions and to have these masses. And now, apparently, we're the one people, one set of people who can't have them. Yeah, that's very strange. Now, the Requiem Mass specifically, this is very interesting because I've actually heard a number of stories of Requiem Masses being forbidden. And it kind of confuses me because they're allowing the Latin Mass, but not a Requiem Mass. But the Requiem Mass is just a form of the of the Roman Rite. It's not it's nothing. It's not like it's a separate sacrament, right? No, that's true. 
that's true. So there isn't much uh, logic to that. And I, I wonder whether it's because they are typically kind of one-off occasions, uh, either an annual one or, or one for a you know, particular deceased loved one or part of a funeral celebration. Um, and that they, 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 they said yes to a regular, like a, you know, on a Sunday or perhaps on a Wednesday afternoon on the first Wednesday of the month or something like that. Um, but they don't want to give permission for one-off things because in theory, if it's a parish church, in theory, they'd have to go all the way to Cardinal Roach and the Dicastro to divine worship, um, which is just obviously ridiculous. Yes. the I mean, it's one thing that is interesting about it is I think, because you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Traditionis Custodis allows for particular instances of the traditional mass being celebrated in places with permission, but it does yes. not allow for the, any of the other traditional sacraments to be celebrated. Is that correct? Yes, uh, it, that's that's correct. <clears throat> Although it, it turns out that this does not apply to the traditional institutes because they operate under what they call particular law. They have their own law, and that law hasn't been changed. In fact, uh, in uh, February last year uh well no 20 yeah last year the fraternity of st peter got its own decree saying they could definitely carry on using all the books so uh that's a bit that's a bit weird so parish priests can't do this even with the permission of their bishops but fraternity of st peter institute of christ the king presumably all the others and the for the latin mass society of england and wales are they primarily served by diocesan priests or by these former ecclesia day communities uh, primarily by Dawson clergy. So we do have the Institute of Christ the King and um, the of Peter in, in England um, in different places, but most of the Mass is celebrated by by priests of, the, of their diocese, and we have a few religious orders as well. So one of the things we used to do was, you know, for the benefit of everyone who, who attends the traditional Mass in, in England and Wales, and even beyond, we used to have a, a service of confirmation every year in Westminster, diocese and not in the cathedral but in another big church and when traditions Gesellius in fact as it happened it came out the very day before one of these was to take place and they were kind of running around wondering what to do I and mean, that did take place but after that they they said no we can't do this anymore mm. um and of course this was as i said people coming from all over the country so since then digital institutes can have it but we can't yeah that's that makes no I sense we, you know yeah. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask about what kind of, why do people want things like a requiem mass? Why don't they just have a regular funeral mass? We'll talk about that when we come back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction 
jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Uh, Joining us right now is Joseph Shaw. He is the chairman of the Latin Mass Society of England and Wales. We're talking about the fact that Westminster Cathedral... It's not allowing them to do their annual requiem, requiem mass. I could say words and why this is significant. And so I want to talk about a little bit about what exactly is a requiem mass uh, to share just my personal experience. Whenever in 2020, my grandma actually passed away and she did not die from COVID. She died from complications due to a surgery. In 2020, it was um, very sad because we weren't allowed to go visit her before she died because of COVID. And we went and had a, a requiem mass for her. And so this was something that we, we organized. I was able to get people together, get music and get uh, servers. I was able to serve the mass. And we had a traditional requiem mass for her funeral. And it was very, it was very beautiful, very moving. And Many people, especially our family members, had never been to a requiem mass. In fact, most of our family had never been to a traditional Latin mass before. A lot of our family as are fallen away Catholics or Catholics who Sunday only Catholics, these kind of things, Christmas Easter Catholics, these kind of things. So I was their first time seeing it, and it was a shocking to them, especially the sequence of hearing the the DACRA, which is, I mean, is so profoundly moving that it's. And the movies, movies use it all the time in their in their scores, and it was something that was very touching to me to see this continuity of this mass that's been said for the dead Catholics for all for for centuries for millennia, and it had a very massive impact on me in burying uh, my grandmother. Uh, but Joseph Shaw, why is it the Latin Mass Society does an annual? Requiem Mass is one of the two Masses that they are allowed to do. What's the significance of a Requiem Mass? Well, it's celebrated specifically for our deceased members, supporters, benefactors. And that's something which I think every Catholic organization should do to have a Requiem Mass, um, or at least a Mass celebrated for for the deceased supporters and and members of the organization. Uh, And of course, many many do. Um, And one of the things about a Requiem is that one thinks not only about what one would like, you know, what I would like to, to, to go to, but also about what the deceased person, what they what they would like. Um, so obviously with the Latin Mass Society, the deceased members and benefactors, they were very into the traditional mass. So clearly they'd want the traditional mass to be celebrated for them. And 
that's you know that's significant that's in a perfectly normal way that's significant and this is something that we can do for them as an act of charity towards the dead there isn't very much we can do for the dead but we can do do this we can pray for them and above all we can offer the mass and to say you're not allowed to have the mass said for you know your deceased loved ones uh, or benefactors or parents or whatever is well it's a it's a pretty shocking thing and of course that's we all went through that to a larger or lesser extent during covid period um and it's something which is very important to any i think any any organization with a bit of history like that in mass society that we we keep that up we keep up praying for our you know the people who've gone before us as we hope that our successors will will pray for us the traditional Mass of the Dead, of course, is, as you noted, I mean, it's particularly beautiful. It's very, very ancient. It, the chants, um, the whole way things work, the, the ceremonies. Um, and it's, it's people find it very moving. And, and you know, and, and they, they're right to. It's, they're wonderful, wonderful texts, wonderful melodies. Um, and even if you don't have, even if it's not a funeral, you know, the actual coffin there, you can still have the blessing of um something in place of the coffin to to represent the coffin so we have the blessing it's called the blessing of the catapult the ab, ab solutions of the catapult so you have that very beautiful chart the liberanos uh, which is almost as famous as the as the dear zero um with the priest going round uh with the incense and the holy water uh, it's 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 really it's a it's a wonderful liturgical experience and it's yeah it's unusual you don't have it every day um and it's it's something which ought to be part of our our experience as Catholics, you know, as, as children growing up, as young people, as older people, but to, to, to be put into touch with the church's prayers for the dead. It's a very important part of the Christian life is, is called praying, preparing with death. Uh, and the communion of the saints, our connection with those who have uh, gone before us. You know, the <laughs> one of the things about about funerals that people talk about is whenever you die, you, you don't want to be, it's very difficult whenever someone dies in your family. And when someone dies in your family, one of the last things you want to be doing is getting ready for their doing all the mm, monotonous things like uh, picking music for the mass, like picking which readings are going to be read, picking all these things that are happening. Uh, you already have to do that with the coffin and all those things and getting the plots and all those things are happening. And to add on to that, now you have to customize your mass the way that you think that your loved one would have wanted. The thing about the Requiem Mass for me, as one one element of it, is the fact that it frees you. It frees you because it tells you exactly what you're going to do. You don't have to choose anything. The music's already there. The readings are already there. Everything is set up in such a way that it just lends itself to being able to just be present and to be able to just pray for the deceased loved ones. And it really emphasizes something that's lost today, which is the fact that we have to pray for the souls who are, who are died and they're not, they're not canonized. They're not saints. They, they could be in purgatory and they need our prayers. Uh, Mr. Shaw, tell me about this aspect of uh, the Requiem mass. Well, it makes it, it makes it very clear that you are, well, first thing that makes clear is that is that death is an evil. Death is something. It's a terrible thing 
to contemplate for ourselves because we go before God to be judged. So it's it's frightening. And we are actually, we're right to be a bit frightened about it. We can go forth with confidence, but it is something which is a fearful thing. It's a, a, an evil which we shouldn't be trying to pretend that it's something wonderful and good because it's going to separate us from the dead. And that is something which is going to cause us to suffer. Um, so it doesn't shy away from the natural aspect of it as something which is scary and uh, it causes a grief. Uh, the other thing is that what, what happens to the dead, It we, we hope they won't be damned, of course, but if not, then they'll go to purgatory almost certainly. Um, that's the normal thing that we can hope for, for our deceased loved ones. So we then have to pray for them to be released from purgatory sooner rather than later. And, and that is the key, the key act of charity that we could do towards them. Um, and this is made, again, it's made very clear. The, we know we talk about the, um, you know, the, the fires of purgatory. Purgatory is not a, a, a nice experience that you want to have. It's, it's, it's a, it's a penance. Um, it's a, it's a searing experience by which we are, can be separated from our sinfulness and purified and made worthy of God. So nothing impure can enter heaven. So that's something which we are going to have to undergo insofar as we haven't already in this life. So it's, it's, it's very, it's quite tough. It's quite tough, the, the, the texts, if you read them. And of course, that's why they got rid of them. Hmm. Because they didn't want to have anything negative, they didn't want anything that was sad. Well, actually, the toughness is very helpful to the bereaved because they're not feeling all happy. You know, they're not kind of wanting to, you know, dance around and wear white and, you know, all these things that sometimes we're in a very inauthentic way, we're encouraged to do. Um, I mean, it, different cultures, of course, deal with these issues in, in, slightly, in slightly different ways, but they all mourn. For the dead in their own way they recognize that it's 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 something serious it's you know, it's the end point of life um and they don't want to be told that's inappropriate i think it's 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 the most weird and unpastoral thing in the world to say to people who've lost you know a father a child or a spouse or something oh you shouldn't be sad that is absolutely not what the church should be saying what anyone should be saying of course they should be sad um, and the church will accompany you in your grief and help you do something for the deceased to to put you into touch with them in a certain way and to assist them in mm. that fearful journey. Um, and it's you know, people might say, oh, gosh, this is, sounds very, very kind of medieval. It, well, it's not medieval. It's, it's ancient. This comes right from the very early centuries of the church. You know, this is this is this is the this is the Catholic attitude from antiquity, from the early church. Um, and you know, we're deluding ourselves if if we say that uh, you know this is some sort of medieval kind of gloomy accretion or something. Um, this is this is this is the attitude of 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 Christ at the tomb of Lazarus. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, very true. I highly recommend people if. You've never seen a Requiem Mass, a beautiful rendition. Oh, I say rendition. It's not really appropriate, but a, pu a beautiful Mass that you could see is St. John Cantus in Chicago put on a Mozart Requiem Mass for Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI after his passing. 
and it is absolutely stunningly beautiful. I highly recommend uh, seeing that, and you can see it done with its full glory with a priest, a deacon, a subdeacon, and so on and so forth. A very, very worthy thing. Now, Mr. Shaw, we're running out of time here. If people want to see what's going on with the Latin Mass Society of Ingen Wells, how can people stay in touch? And kind of a just a one other question. Do you expect that you'll be able to, when eventually death comes for, for you and I, we'll be able to have a Requiem Mass for ourselves? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I mean, some, in some places and sometimes right now, it's being difficult. So just like it was in the 70s and 80s, bishops would kind of make a fuss they wouldn't let you do it you'd have to kind of I, a friend of mine had to go to a different diocese in order to have a requiem mass for his his brother-in-law I mean, really appalling uh behavior but i think this is where this is going to be over in a short period of time i think the pope pope francis or his successor is going to look at this and ask himself is this worth it what am i achieving here um and the answer is pretty obvious you know, this is just causing problems. It's not. It's not solving. It's not solving anything. So I, I, I have optimism uh, about it. Although the, the the suffering of Catholics right now is 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 should not be denied or minimised. Um, so in order to follow that in Mass Society, we're on social media. We have a website. Just Google Latin Mass Society of England and Wales. Um, I'm on Twitter um, and uh, at LMS Chairman, um, and um, we're very active. I like to think we're very active. We, we we get things done. We have a walking pilgrimage. We have events all through the year. Uh, we have talks. We have podcasts. We have publications. We have a shop. Um, so we're one of the more active Univoce groups uh, around the world. Um, and um, I, I I hope we can we can serve the church through that um, forever. Amen. So check them out. LMS.org. LMS.org. Check them out because I keep up to date and I read their articles all the time and I think it's definitely worthy of keeping up to date with. But God bless you Mr. Shaw. We'll have to catch up with you later. Stay with us. We have more coming up on Catholic Drive Time right after this. Uh, Started drinking beer on Saturday nights. uh, Sleeping in on Sunday mornings. Missing mass and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church would be okay if it weren't for all the rituals? Why do people complain about rituals in the church? They don't complain about the rituals that fill the rest of their daily lives. They shake hands, they sign their names, they put candles on birthday cakes, they give each other flowers, they put on fancy weddings and somber funerals. Those are all rituals. They are symbols. They are simple ways of representing complex ideas. G.K. Chesterton says, Ritual is a need of the human soul. In fact, it's a need of the human body, like exercise. Destroy your impressive ceremony, and all you get in return is unimpressive ceremony. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. I also want to dialogue with all the young people. Catholics are committed to building a society which is truly tolerant and inclusive. Let us treat others with the same passion and compassion with which we want to be treated. Come and see what good things God is waiting for you at catholicscomehome.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here. Despite the fact that things are crazy in the world, and things are always crazy in the world, don't you worry. No matter what happens, uh, you won't have to worry about one thing. That is things being crazy. But I always love the mornings because... Even though I'm not a morning person, by any stretch of the imagination, if it was up to me, I'd wake up around noon every day. But the one good thing about being up in the morning is being able to see the sunrise. Because when you see the sunrise, it should always remind you of the rising sun, which our Lord Jesus Christ is the rising sun that rose on a Sunday and lives today. For our Christ is not dead. No, he is alive. So praise be to God for that. And to talk about, speaking of, the sun rising and having some glory and some amazing people in the studio this morning. We have Toya Hall and we have Richard Reyna in the studio. Good morning to y'all. Good, good morning, morning and good morning to the Guadalupe Radio Network family and Catholic Spirit, Spirit Radio. Radio. Yes. <clears throat> yes <clears throat> Excuse yes, me. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise be to God. We love to have them on. And, uh, you know, sometimes I get I get names confused. And so yesterday I was uh, talking to Amarillo, but I was talking to El Paso and I was like, oh, I heard that. Sorry, El, sorry, El Paso. Sorry, Amarillo. Sorry, to El Paso. But I guess y'all didn't even hear it. So <laughs> maybe that's a sign we need to get a radio station in El Paso. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I it's love fortuitous. El Paso. It's funny El how the Lord works that way. Plants those seeds. and We respond. All right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Praise be to God. Now, uh, for those who don't know, could y'all introduce ourselves? I'm Toya Hall. I'm one of the founders of the Guadalupe Radio Network and La Promesa Foundation. Now, I'm going to make myself sound so old <laughs> when I say this because Adrian's so young. 27 years ago. Wow. wow. Yes. 27 years ago. 27 years ago. Wow. Just think about Adrian being a young buck. <clears throat> I, I am well, a, he, a young. I am a quarter of a century old, Richard. A, a quarter. quarter of a century old. That's that cute. is ancient. I don't even know how you got in here then. <laughs> quarter of a century. How did you manage to walk in? Well, people were, were making references at our, at our table last night for um, the Fishers of Men Gala. And I was like, guys, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like an old man. I don't get it. I don't understand what you're referencing. Uh, referencing some um, some TV show that was out. And I'm like, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't watch TV. Uh, but Richard, okay. So your job, the GRN. I'm the vice president of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Been been with the GRN for 16 years. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, 16 but, uh, years for uh, loving it and uh, definitely uh, see wonderful potential, continued potential, I should say, to be evangelists. Now, Richard, now that I have you in the studio, I have to ask, what did you do? in san antonio to make it that literally 98 percent of the people who call in to the our trivia show come from san antonio i uh, just share with them they, they got to tune in they got to be plugged in they got to know learn their faith so they can turn around and share their faith it's kind of a little bit of a tie-in uh when i heard bishop last night speak uh during his address about being evangelists uh, I, I want people to to get to know the lord mm. and when you get to know the lord you can't you can't contain it and when I show that excitement, people want to know why I'm excited. And I share with them, get to know the Lord. Listen to Guadalupe Radio. Every show that you, that you are drawn to will, will, will bring you closer to the Lord and you can't keep it in. And because we, I chat with people everywhere I go in San, or where I went to San Antonio, uh, it seems to be a, a, a contagious that they, they want to learn more about the faith and they tune in to Guadalupe Radio. So, oh, well, I love it because uh, <laughs> we, like San Antonio is easily the highest volume callers uh, in our daily. And it's like, where's everybody else at? We got we to get the volume up for everybody else. I mean, we love San Antonio, but geez, guys, you got to catch up. Get, get, on the, get, on the, get on the horn, as one might say. And, uh, now, Toya, yeah. I think your story in regards to how the GRN came about is one of the most uh-huh. beautiful stories uh. I've ever heard. And could you give us a the two minute version of that story? Because this is like an hour long story <laughs> <laughs> or longer, really. Yeah, a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, I would love to. But first, let me say that when Richard was the general manager in San Antonio, mm-hmm. he was like the king of parish talks. I mean, he was like addicted to him. So he was at parish after parish, year after year. And the results of that is so many more people coming to find the Guadalupe Radio Network. Mm. Well, I think that's the. I love people. I yeah. personally love people. So anytime anybody reaches out to me and is like, "Hey, Adrian, can you uh, come to this event?" I'm like, "Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah. Why not?" And so like this this Saturday, I should have given a shout out earlier, but um, Motsi, the March of the Surviving Youth, this Saturday, they reached out and they're like, "Hey, we need a MC for the event." I'm like, "I'll do it for sure. Let's do it." Because uh, I just love meeting people. I just I I, I love people. Yeah. I do, too. And love evangelizing, right? Amen. I, Amen. I mean, yeah, you could talk about God, and, and I can talk about God and the GRN all day long. I love it. But, uh, yeah, so the two-minute version is back in 1996, there were several of us who went to Batania, Venezuela. And I, I, I will tell you, Adrian, uh, going to Venezuela was never on my bucket list, and I've mm. been there five times. Oh, wow, five yeah, times? Five times. <laughs> Yes. And, uh, uh, on the, I think the second or third time, uh, Maria Esperanza, whose cause is, um, she's in the first process of canonization. Mm. Uh, she invited our group. She didn't know us at all, but, um, through, I would say the Holy Spirit in the right way, right? Because I heard you talking earlier, <laughs> invited our group and I organized the group. So there were 40 people and we were, uh, there during the holy, we were there on holy Saturday oh, wow. and we spent 10 hours with her and, uh, 
she uh, gave us this confirmation because it was just really on my heart and a few others that God was calling us to do something, but we didn't know what quite what that something was. So uh, when when she spoke to me, she said, you have to do what God has put on your heart. She said, uh, because the souls of many people depend on it. And I still didn't have a real clear idea what that was. But, you know, God writes straight with crooked lines and so you, we go home, we, we get a canon lawyer, we get a civil lawyer, and La Promesa Foundation has started. And uh, within, uh, I want to say, two months, we started building a huge resource center in West Texas that serves as a lending library, and then we brought speakers in. And about probably 1999, uh, John Paul II at that time was calling for the church to prepare for the new millennium. And we felt like we needed to do more. And I was watching Mother Angelica one night on TV, which I didn't often do. And she was shaking her finger at the camera. And she's saying, you laity need to buy radio stations. And I'll give you the programming free. And it was like this aha moment for me, right? And so I called the board of directors together the next day. And they're going, yeah, like, right, Toya. You're crazy. Where's the money going to come from? How that's going to happen? And uh, lo and behold, the Lord put people in our path. And we bought our first radio station. But the interesting thing about that, a mother Angelica saying, if you'll buy, the lady will buy radio stations that give you the programming free is Tom Price, who's there at EWT, and told me they searched and searched through the archives of Mother Angelica, and she only said that one time. No way. Way. Wow. So, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, and you know, the Lord works in, through so many ways and so many signs, and I think, I think he works in everybody's life. We're just not quite attuned to it. And we just need to pray, Lord, let me see you working in my life so I recognize it. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yes. Isn't that crazy? That is. Just wow. that one time. And oh, my goodness. Like I said, I didn't typically watch it. I always loved Mother Angelica. Hmm. But, yeah, it was that night. Okay. There's like a million things I want to follow up on. But I do want to talk about Lynn for a second. Because yes. um, Lynn's story of him almost leaving the GRN but then staying until – yesterday uh it was uh is an amazing story can you share that story with us yeah he was lynn was working uh for the oh gosh uh first 13 14 years in the oil and gas industry and uh also working as the president of the guadalupe radio network and uh, we were doing a pledge drive, and uh, as we all know, you just get really can get really tired and really done, right? And uh, he was on his way over that day, and like I said, we're doing a pledge drive, you know, so it's a lot of work uh, to uh, tell me that he was resigning. Oh. And uh, he walked in my office, and I could tell, you can see the look on the face, right? This is not going to be good. And so I said, there's a letter here for you. And I handed him this letter, and it was a letter from a prisoner. And it was just a beautiful letter because I'll never forget how it was signed. It said, thank you for caring about the least and forgotten of God's children. Mm. And uh, enclosed in that letter was a beautiful picture that the gentleman had drawn of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And so today that hangs in the office where Lynn was in before he retired. Wow. But, uh, yeah, the, the Lord gives us the grace we need to keep going, right? Absolutely. Praise yeah. be to God. That is, uh, that is so beautiful. Now, Richard, 
Well, I, I just wanted to follow up on oh, that. Yes, if, go ahead. If, please I, do. I believe Mother Angelica said it more than once, but if it would. No, it was <laughs> no, no, one no, time no, on no, the no, air. No, 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 not that guy coming. Uh, about if she had to do it all over again for just one yes. soul, she'd do it. Mm. And every time I hear Toya tell, tell that story, I'm like, wow, there's that one soul. You know, it reminds me of uh, Francis Xavier. Uh, whenever he walked to Japan, he was uh, walking oh, to Japan yeah. and he sees a, a baby that was left in the snow and he picks up the, the baby and he baptizes the baby and then the baby dies. Mm. And he says, this entire trip would be worth it for the salvation of this one soul. And, and that's, I mean, that's the mentality that we have to have whenever we're, we're out and we're, we're talking to people and it's like, am I actually making any good? I just one person and it was, it's all worth it right richard sure is i'm telling you god puts those opportunities in our lives every single day all day long and you know you were you were mentioned about clarity and, and and seeing god's will that's what i pray for because you know uh when we pray at holy mass when we're sorry for what i've done what we failed to do you know making sure we see those signs uh the beautiful souls that god puts in our lives you mentioned loving people uh how many he puts in your lives and, and the seeds that you are able to plant to those the specific moments that people need to hear what what God uses you uh, to plant with them. It, it's 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 beautiful. It really it's overwhelming to see how God is using us, His sons and daughters, to to bring more souls back to Christ. So thank you for for yeah. everything you do. Now, many people would love to support the Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Spirit Radio, and they love to they 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 listen to Catholic Radio all the time, and they want to support the mission of evangelization. Uh, in what ways do you think people can participate in the mission of evangelization? I don't know who, which one of y'all want to pick that up. They, <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about the the one soul that you were referring to, Richard, and uh, everyone out there who gives and prays for the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio, you're part of the family, and you're a part of the reason this is happening. We cannot do this work without you, dear listener, and you are so vitally important. Those who come in and volunteer, and sometimes the volunteers are the donors, and mm. so donating and and uh, the prayer support, you know, and promoting. We cannot promote the Guadalupe Radio Network enough. And if the signal's not clear like it was this morning here in Houston with the <laughs> rain and it still hasn't powered up yet, get the app. The, mm. I absolutely love that app. I listen all the time. And uh, when I'm driving someplace where I don't have a radio station, then I, I use the app. But I think I just want to say thank you so much to every listener that's prayed for us, supported us, you know, promoted us because we simply wouldn't be here and we could not do this without you you're just so vital to what we do and and you're in our prayers we have a novena of masses said for them every month and we stop and do the divine mercy every day for all of the guadalupe radio family and all the listeners yeah that's one thing i just i didn't know existed was that we here in houston and i presume the other the other uh market as well have this is a prayer team that get together and they pray for the intentions of their local market. And I had no idea that existed until recently they came into the studio and I was, they were like, we were chatting with them and I was like, you guys are praying for us? They're like, oh yeah, we pray for you all. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that. And so uh, if you would like to be part of our prayer team, reach out to your local general manager and I'm sure that they would love to connect you with whoever is uh, leading that prayer team because I'm, that's the, that's the best thing you can do for us on top of everything else. But indefinitely promote. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. So we cannot. I mean, we have, what, 24 employees? 
And yes. we have 48 stations? 45. 45 stations? 45. 45 stations, 24 employees. I don't think we can promote enough <laughs> just the 24 of us. And Adrian, you have to be clear. That's not... 24 employees at each station. Right. That's 24 in total. Oh, People oh, sometimes think, oh, wow, you got 24. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. 24. That's like less than uh, about half, one, one, two for each, <laughs> each station. Or ha- there you go. I'm yes. like, my math. Yes. Do, don't do math live. That's the answer. Uh, I have do done that, and it's a big mistake, Adrian. <laughs> don't do math on the air. Well, thank you very much, Toya and Richard, for joining us. It's been a huge blessing. Uh, we're going to go into our Fear and Trembling game show, and we'll see if we get San Antonio caller today. My guess is we probably will. That number, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. I was raised a Catholic and went to church every Sunday faithfully. I met a boy and he was non-Catholic, so I left the church to be with him. When I was away from church, I yearned to be home. What brought me back was my longing for the Eucharist. The Eucharist fills me with a spirit that you can't find anywhere else. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. We invite you to take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be the winner. Now, how do you do so? It's very simple. Well, step one, you pick up the phone and you dial that number, 877-757-9424. And step two, you play the game. Now, How do you play the game, you may ask? That's really simple as well. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to (laughs) ask, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions and Rudy's going to give me an answer. And it's your job to tell me whether or not Rudy is right or whether or not he is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds on the clock and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, 
What could they win? Praise be to God. This week, we are giving away a copy of this book. If you're watching us on the live stream, you could see the book that I'm holding up. If you're not watching us on the live stream, please join us. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We have all of our live stream options available there. You can join us there. Leave a comment. Interact with us, especially in the after show. But if you're not watching it, uh, I'm just going to tell you this book is called The Synodal Process is a Pandora's Box. It's 100 Questions and Answers. It was written by Mr. Ureta and Mr. Loretto of the TFP, otherwise known as Tradition, Family, and Property. It's 100 Questions and Answers, in other words, a short catechism on the synodal process that's taking place right now with a foreword by uh, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. So oh, if you wow. like Cardinal Burke, uh, Cardi B, you know, Cardi he's, B. Uh, he's here. He's that's in the so forward. So we're going to give this away on Friday. You may be winning this book. You know, I got in trouble once for calling him Cardi B. Oh, boy. People, yeah, we probably shouldn't call him that. Yeah, I know. I know. People, people were like, you can't shouldn't have called Cardi I'm like, oh, that's a joke. He's okay, the real, okay. He's the real one. <laughs> Unlike the degenerate one. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, what's the other one? I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, don't, don't, even, don't even look that one up. Uh, joining us right now is Matthew. Good morning to you, Matthew. Good morning. Matthew, let, I'm going to just take a wild guess right now. I'm just going to just take my shot. You're from the San Antonio area, no? Yes. San Antonio! San Antonio supremacy! <laughs> we love San Antonio. Now, Matthew, how old are you? You sound like a man of great vintage. Oh, I'm I'm nine years old. Nine years nine. old? Wow. My sister old. called last week. Hey, very good. Praise be to God. So, Matthew, you're holding down the Alamo. Or are you keeping it safe? Uh, what What are you up to today? Um. Well, actually, I'm on the way to school. Oh, school. Cool. At the good. Alamo. At the Alamo. There, in the basement of the Alamo. No, <laughs> uh, Matthew, what's your favorite subject in school? Um, probably math. Matt, wow. I'm, I also, honestly, not the best mathematician in the world. I you just okay, proved Matt. you just proved it a few minutes That's ago. True. Not was... the best. Maybe we should have Matthew on call. It's, he can we do need, the math. We for need us. a math question. We can yeah, call him. I up. think that's what we're gonna do. Matthew, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm guessing a um, you want to be a mathematician. Um, no, I actually want to be a baseball player. A baseball oh. player. There you go. Taylor's in the in the uh, stu- in the uh, production room. He's nodding his head. Like yes. He's uh, giving the fist pump. There you go. You play baseball, Matthew? Yes, sir. What do you play? What's your position? I think he's shortstop in first. Oh, wow. Very nice. Very good. Praise be to God. That's awesome. I, for one, when I played baseball, I was in the outfield because I was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and especially in, um, in, in Little League, and then the ball never goes that far. When he's up to bat, everybody's like, move in, move in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't the best baseball player. I was much better at football. I did that for like 12 years I played football from when I was four until high school, sophomore year of high school. So I played football a long time. But very good, Matthew. Praise be to God. Are you ready to play the game? Are you familiar with how the game works? Yes, sir. Perfect. Then you know Rudy can be tricky. So I need what? you to put your thinking cap on because this could get tricky. Are you ready to play? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Rudy, question number one for you. All right, I'm ready. Who was the only apostle... To not be martyred. That is a trick question, Adrian. Mm. They all got martyred. All of them. At the same time. At the same time? In the time? same room. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. The upper room. Really? It's true. Oh, wow. The the coming down of the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. t- tongues of fire, that's 
that's a that's an analogy actually to them getting martyred oh. in the upper room. The Sanhedrin them. broke into the upper room and and they just martyred all the apostles all there at the once. Yeah, right then and there. All right. And all then right. in the third century, Constantine made everything up. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. I didn't know I'm learning something. All right, Matthew, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, who was the only apostle not to be martyred? Rudy says, that's a trick question. They were all martyred, and not only were they all martyred, they were all martyred at the same time and place. Uh, What say you, Matthew? That's false. That's false, he says. All right, let's see. Survey says, that is correct, Matthew. Do you know what the right answer is? Um... I know that he died of old age on an island. St. John the Evangelist. That's right. That's right, Matthew. It was, in fact, St. John the Evangelist. The St. John the Evangelist, they tried to martyr him. They threw him in boiling oil, and he just would not die. And so they... uh, they banished him to the island of Patmos, where he eventually died of old age. So very good, Matthew. Praise be to God. Are you ready for question number two? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Hopefully, you know the answer to this question, because this question is why you got the day off on Monday. All right, Rudy, the question on the board is, what nationality was Christopher Columbus? Christopher Columbus was a French, which is why the mm, Italians, wee wee. they didn't want to fund his trip. So he went to the Spaniards, and the Spaniards were like, I mean, we'll trade you some cheese for some hamon. Yeah, I mean, you guys have good cheese in France. Uh-huh, we uh-huh. have good hamon. Let's try it. It was, it was a match made in heaven. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, Maurice, the baguettes, hurry up. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> All right, Matthew, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what nationality was Christopher Columbus? Uh, Rudy says he was French, obviously. Uh, What say you, Matthew, 15 seconds on the clock? I think that's false. You think that's false. All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct, Matthew. Way to go. They got it down over there. San Antonio education, apparently, Mm -hmm. is really good. Uh, Matthew, he was, in fact, Italian, though some would argue he's really Spanish. I mean, yes, he was born in Italy. Yes, he was raised in Italy, but he sailed for Spain. But he was, but the Spanish adopted him, okay? Okay, the, the Italians didn't want to want him, so the Spaniards came in and they saved the day. Also, fun fact: you know Christopher Columbus could not write in Italian, but he could write in Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Isn't that funny? He wasn't not well educated as a young man. He was self educated, and then when he sailed for Spain, he learned how to write in Spanish and didn't have any reason to learn to write in Italian. Hmm. So, fun fact: um, why do you? Why do I know this? I just really like Christopher Columbus. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> All right, Matthew. Praise be to God. You're rocking it. Are you ready for question number three? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Question number three for you. Whew, this one could be tricky, Matthew. So get your uh, get your Bible open. Open it up to Genesis and get ready. The question is, Rudy, on what day did God create the sun, S-U-N? Very important distinction. The what sun. Day? The ball of fire. The ball of fire in the sky. Let's look at this logically because God is logic, right? All right. I'm following. I'm thinking. He really needed to have the sunlight so Uh that he could see what he was doing. Right. Right. So, therefore. Because God has eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Exactly. He he's a big old man in the sky with a That's big right. beard. I did obviously. see a picture of that. I did so, see a picture of that. So uh, it had to be the first day. Right. Imagine working, sense. creating all these creatures without light. Yeah, I mean, that makes how no weird sense. they would look, yeah, especially yeah. in the Mariana Trench. Yeah, turn the light on uh, yeah. at the bottom of the ocean. Makes sense. Flip the switch. Uh, I'm following. I'm yeah. following what you're saying. Okay. All right, Matthew. That makes sense, I think. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, on what day did God create the sun? And Rudy says, look, let's think logically here. God, he's an old man in the sky. Clearly, he needs to be able to see what's going on and if he's going to be creating. So he created the sun first, so then he could see everything else. That makes sense to me. Matthew, what say you? I think that's false. You think that's... All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct, Matthew. Could not be deceived. Could not be he's deceived. He's a genius. He's a genius. There's, there's, he's honestly the smartest kid that we've ever had on the show. I, I don't know. Untrickable. We have a lot of smart kids, but he is definitely up there. He's definitely a genius. All right, Matthew. Way to go. The correct answer was the fourth day. The fourth day God created the sun and the... Yeah, or or God's not an old man in the sky. (laughs) God is pure spirit. He doesn't have eyes, um, except the fact that he became incarnate in the Son, Jesus Christ, who is God. But before he does have eyes, incarnate right now. Yeah, he does. And before the incarnate Christ, he was had no body, so no need for eyes, no need for light. But in the beginning, so here's a little thirty second exegesis of Genesis chapter one. In the beginning. Whenever God separated the light from the darkness, many people will be like, wait, he created the sun on the fourth day. How did that work? Well, the light were the angels and the darkness were the demons. And our Lord separated the fallen angels from the holy angels at the first day, before the first day. So there you go, uh, Matthew. Hopefully you learned something new today. But you did great, Matthew. How do you feel? I feel good. Praise be to God. Praise be to God, Matthew. All right, Matthew, we're going to keep you on hold. We're going to make sure you we get you the contact information from your parents so we can send you the prize should we draw your name out. But God bless you, Matthew. God love you. And I have a blessed day. And uh, do well in baseball. I hope you succeed in being a professional baseball player. Thank you. All right. Going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you could join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. Join us. Go on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter. Uh, not Twitter. Twitter don't work. But if you want to join us there, you're welcome to do so. And we'd love to have you. Just leave a comment down below. Questions, comments, concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. We'd love to have you. So join us then, and we'll interact with you directly. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you very soon. Remember, Christ is King. And let his kingdom reign. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Memorial of St. John the 23rd. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Network, all of our online viewers, and for those here present. God, Father, praise and glory thy children bring to thee thy grace and peace to mankind shall now forever be O most holy trinity undivided unity holy God mighty God God immortal be adored. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who chose Blessed John the Twenty-Third to preside over your whole people and benefit them by word and example, keep safe, we pray, by his intercession, the shepherds of your church, along with the flocks entrusted to their care, and direct them in the way of eternal salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry that God did not carry out the evil he threatened against Nineveh. He prayed, I beseech you, Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled at first to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, rich in clemency, loath to punish. And now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord asked, Have you reason to be angry? Jonah then left the city for a place to the east of it, where he built himself a hut and waited under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. And when the Lord God provided a gourd plant that grew up over Jonah's head, giving shade that relieved him of any discomfort, Jonah was very happy over the plant. 
But the next morning at dawn, God sent a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun arose, God sent a burning east wind, and the sun beat upon Jonah's head till he became faint. Then Jonah asked for death, saying, I would be better off dead than alive. But God said to Jonah, Have you reason to be angry over the plant? I have reason to be angry, Jonah answered, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You are concerned over the plant which cost you no labor and which you did not raise. It came up in one night, and in one night it perished. And should I not be concerned over Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand persons who cannot distinguish their right hand from their left, not to mention the many cattle? The Word of the Lord. Lord, you are merciful and gracious. Lord, you are merciful and gracious. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for to you I call all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Lord, you are merciful and gracious. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in kindness to all who call upon you. Hearken, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the sound of my pleading. Lord, you are merciful and gracious. All the nations you have made shall come and worship you, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you are great and you do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Lord, you are merciful and gracious. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. You have received a spirit of adoption as sons, through which we cry, Abba, Father. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's Gospel, we hear Jesus teaching his disciples the perfect prayer, the Our Father. Further, in the Alleluia verse, we said we have received a spirit of adoption as sons through which we cry out, Abba, Father. We are very accustomed to calling God our Father, but perhaps we don't always stop and reflect on exactly what a gift and a grace it is that we can call God Father. Interestingly, St. Thomas Aquinas delineates four different ways that God is Father over creation. With each way, there is a greater similitude and resemblance to the divine nature, and so it's a kind of hierarchical order which is going to keep progressing and getting deeper and deeper 
as we move through them. The first way, he says, is that God is the Father over all creation, over everything that exists by way of a trace. God is represented by all of creation because he is the cause of it. He is the creator. I suppose in some ways you could say that a man is the father of a painting which he produces. God is the father of all creation because he is the cause of it. And when you look out at creation, things like the Grand Canyon, even there you can see a trace of who God is and of his goodness. The second way that God is father over creation, St. Thomas says, is that he's a father over all human beings in a special way. We human beings have been made in the image and likeness of God, which means we have a rational nature. We have an intellect by which we can know truth, and we have a will which makes us free and gives us the possibility to love and to choose the good. But here St. Thomas points out that the actual life of the Most Holy Trinity is that God knows himself in his word and God loves himself in the spiration of the spirit between the Father and Son. In other words, we human beings, we're not living in God's image and likeness when we're knowing ourselves and loving ourselves. We're living in his image and likeness when we are actually knowing God and loving God. And so every human being has the potential to be able to do this. But it still is not yet going to be the perfection of filiation to the Father because to actually know God and to love God in the Most Holy Trinity is going to be a gift of God's grace. And this is the third layer of God's paternity over creation. And this is going to be the more perfect one still that St. Paul refers to in the letter to Romans. Through the gift of baptism, we are spiritually regenerated to be able to participate and have a share in the divine life, meaning by the gift of God's grace, we can actually and habitually know him and love him. And that is really the gift of what baptism is. When we are baptized, at that point, in a way, you could say we can properly call God our Father because we are regenerated according to his nature. We don't become God, of course, but through the gift of his grace, we are able to have a share in his life. Now, baptism, this moment when we are regenerated in grace to be grafted into Jesus Christ and to share in his filiation of the Father, this really is the fundamental moment of our life. It's the greatest gift that we're ever going to receive in our life that we have been baptized and we have been made members of the family of God through the gift of his grace. It's always a beautiful idea if you can find out what the date of your baptism is and to mark that date with a special celebration because it really is the moment when you are grafted onto Jesus Christ and the gate of heaven is open to you in the ordinary path. It isn't to say God can't work in other ways for people of goodwill or for people who have no chance to know Christ. But it is to say baptism undeniably is an amazing gift that we receive to be opened into the life of grace and to become the adopted sons and daughters of God. The fourth and final way of paternity over we human beings that St. Thomas speaks of is in glory. And there it's very similar to the third way by grace, but in glory simply means 
Those souls who are already in heaven enjoying the beatific vision, they are definitively and irrevocably confirmed in grace in the beatific vision. They are actually and habitually knowing and loving God with no hope or no possibility to lose that grace. And therefore, it is kind of the perfection of filiation that all of us are striving for. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us give thanks to God in a very particular and special way for the gift of baptism, through which we are made his adopted sons and daughters, where we are regenerated into the life of grace to be able to become members of the family of God and share in his life. And let us ask God for the grace that we would always be faithful to this calling, that we would always strive to live in the measure of the one true Son, Jesus Christ, who shows us what it means to be a child of God, and that one day we would enjoy eternal beatitude and the irrevocable confirmation that we truly belong completely to God. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. We pray for bishops and government leaders that they would be inspired by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in their decision. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. We pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East, for harmony among men. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio Network and online, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. We pray in thanksgiving for the gift and the grace to be able to call God our Father and to totally belong to Him. We pray to the Lord for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
Accept this sacrifice from your people, we pray, O Lord, and make what is offered for your glory in honor of Blessed John the 23rd a means to our eternal salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through who Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. John the 23rd, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life. Teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Uncele et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. 
Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Audemus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie. Et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
for those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Saving victim opening wide The gates of heaven to man below Our foes press on from every side Thine aid supply, thy strength bestow To thy great name be endless praise Immortal Godhead one in three O grant us endless length of days When our true native land we see Amen Let us pray. May the sacraments we have received, O Lord our God, stir up in us that fire of charity with which Blessed John the Twenty-Third burned ardently as he gave himself unceasingly for your church through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. May he let his face shine upon you and show you his mercy. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, come down on you and remain with you forever. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Sing of Mary, pure and lowly, Virgin Mother undefiled. Sing of God's own Son, most holy, who became her little child. Fairest child of fairest mother, God the Lord who came to earth, Word made flesh our very brother, Takes our nature by his birth. Sing of Jesus, son of Mary, In the home at Nazareth. 
Toil and labor cannot weary, love enduring unto death. Constant was the love he gave her, though he went forth from her side. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.